All right, well, hello, Anthem, Arise, Harvest, Happy Christmas. Thank you for welcoming us into your homes, whether you're watching this uh, Christmas Eve, Christmas morning, sometime during the week. Uh, so appreciate and actually don't take lightly that you'd welcome us into your house, into your Christmas festivities. I know they look different this year than they do most years, but we are so delighted to point you to Jesus, to, to have some collective moments of worship together. And what we're about to do right now is go to the text and find Jesus there. So if you do have a Bible, if you're in a spot to take out your Bible or open your Bible app, head to Romans chapter 5. I want to actually take you back to where we started at the beginning of this Advent series. Way back at the beginning of December, we started, we've been talking about hope and refocusing our hope. And uh, at least with Anthem, and I believe with Horizon Harvest, we started kind of huddling around Romans 5, and in particular what Paul has to say about hope in Romans 5. And this is what Paul's got to say. So if you have your Bible, go to Romans 5. We'll read verses 3, 4, and 5. Paul says this, more than that, more than the, the, um, the hope that, or the, the glory that we have, the peace we have with God, and, and even though we are rejoicing in the hope of the glory of God, more than that, Paul says, we rejoice in our sufferings. So more than rejoicing in the hope of glory of God, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. Paul makes this really provocative and profound claim that hope in Jesus does not put us to shame. Or in other translations, it says hope does not disappoint We've taken these last few weeks to unpack hope and to unpack what really Paul is getting at right here in these couple of texts. And as we've been unpacking it, we have actually discovered as a bunch of churches here in Ventura that our hope is in a whole bunch of different other places. And that's why we keep getting let down. It's why we keep, dis keep getting disappointed. And not only that, but we have this kind of faulty or skewed vision for what hope is and what hope is not. And often we buy into the American dream of hope that says hope is just positivity. It's just wishful thinking. Maybe it's statistics and probability or just blind luck. And 2020 has totally dismantled this version of hope because no amount of positive thinking gets you through 2020. No amount of wishful thinking gets you out of the trials and toils of 2020. No amount of statistics and probability could have ever unraveled and revealed what we have had to walk through this year. And if this 2020 is luck, I don't want any part of it. 2020 has dismantled this idea of hope altogether. And it's left us wanting. It's left us disappointed. Now, in the throes of all of that, have you noticed something, especially if you follow Jesus and you're watching or listening to this, have you noticed that maybe your hope in God and his abilities and, and his plan and his promises and his activity to make everything right has actually grown? Because all these other things have been taken away from us and we've been let down by all those things, maybe our hope in God has actually increased in this season. Maybe your hope in, in other things have waned, but maybe your hope in God has grown. And if so, well done. 
Like you're winning the year if that's what's characterizing you. You're on to something there. Because hope in the Bible is actually quite different than, than what we would buy into hope today. Hope in the Bible is this really peculiar thing. It actually flourishes in hardship in a way positivity, wishful thinking, stats and probability and luck cannot. It actually grows in disappointment with the things here on earth. Hardship and disappointment are actually a way of strengthening our hope in a very strange way. You see, because biblical hope looks more like this. It looks like a trust in God, no matter the circumstances that we find ourselves in. It looks like patience in the waiting. So when the world is burning around us and when everything we put our hope in keeps letting us down, it's patience knowing that this isn't actually it. We're not holding out for the thing that's here because the thing that's here keeps letting us down. And it's this expectation of the future. It's knowing that whatever is happening in the world around us, we're not putting our eggs in that basket because we're looking ahead. We're looking to that promised future glory. And so when things go wrong, it's actually affirming our expectation of future good. It's increasing our trust in God. And it's, and it's growing our patience here in the waiting. So when hardships, when disappointments come, these things actually increase. So hope, as we've been defining it throughout this Advent series, is the present life lived remembering God's faithful past and confident in God's promised future. So it's wedged between these two realities of looking back to God's faithfulness and how he's always kept his promise and forward to his promised future that we're included in. And it's wedged right here in the present, changing how we live, remembering that we are a part of this big, huge, good story of God, remembering that he has something for us in the future. We're wedged right here in the middle, and it's shaping how we live and how we respond here in the present. So the question is not, do you hope? It is what or who your hope is in. And that's going to shift and change and shape how you live here and now. Now, in light of this definition of hope, I would maybe posit two things to you for your consideration. One, if your hope has been in Jesus this year, you've been growing. Have you noticed that? You've actually been, and maybe it's hard to see because it's just happening day by day, but maybe as you look back at the beginning of the year and, and who you were and the decisions you were making back then, you actually look back and you're like, wow, I've... I think I've matured a little bit. Maybe I've increased in some of my spiritual practices. Maybe I've increased with my intimacy with God. Maybe I've increased my generosity or my prayer life or my scripture reading. Maybe I've increased in, in how well I'm loving my husband or my wife or how well I'm loving my kids or how I'm engaging in the workplace amidst really hard circumstances. Everyone else is moaning and complaining, but I'm actually bringing a non-anxious presence to those anxiety-ridden, confusing times and places. And maybe you're like, wow, maybe God has actually been doing something in and through me. If your hope has been on Jesus, maybe, just maybe, that looks like you. And maybe it's not like a revelation. Maybe you're not a whole different person, but you just see yourself inching forward, glory by glory, day by day, becoming more like Jesus. Now, the, the second thing I would put before you, if, if your hope has been in something or someone else, maybe you've hit your wall. Maybe you're in a rut, you're stuck. 
Maybe you're lost and aimless and anxious. And I'm not talking about putting your hope in Jesus like like for salvation. Like if you follow Jesus, I'm kind of assuming we're all on the same page there. But I'm talking in the day-to-day reality of when you get laid off or when someone gets sick or when a play date gets canceled or when a vacation gets canceled or when you're stuck at home again for another big important day. Where is your hope? Because if you follow Jesus and your hope daily is in him, chances are you're hugging those moments of suffering going, yes, Holy Spirit, I'm ready to grow. And you're thriving and you're flourishing and you're maturing. And if you follow Jesus, but every single day your hope is let down because it's in your job to provide that good paycheck or in your spouse to be your fulfillment or in your kids to be your legacy, then you keep getting let down and you're feeling stuck and you're feeling anxious and you're feeling confused and you're going, why God, like Job, where is your hope? The call from scripture is to put our hope in Jesus, not as a one-time deal, but an ongoing daily practice. And when we put our hope in Jesus, when our hope is in him, it actually shifts and changes not only how we see the world, but what we bring to the world. In a dark world, we actually bring light as those who hope in Jesus. Have you ever noticed how often darkness and evil are associated together. How often kind of darkness goes along with evil. The book of Proverbs speaks of people doing wrong and wicked things in the secret of night, rather than the light of day when it's going to be seen. Imagine maybe all those secret sins nobody knows about in your life. When do they happen? When everyone's home and the lights are on or or when maybe you're by yourself? It's dark, there's no one else looking. For a moment, think of how this is represented in in the stories that we tell and the stories we believe, the stories we watch and are entertained by, superhero movies, fictional characters, all the things that we, we can look to for story and narrative entertainment in our day. How often is darkness associated with light? How often, even in the movies of our day and in pop culture, darkness is seen as evil, suspicious, something's lurking there. And light is often portrayed as good, as as wholesome, as righteous, as as someone who's maybe innocent or someone who's going to bring good to a dark situation. And when hope is placed on gaining something through these morally dubious means or cheating to get ahead or finding fulfillment in something or someone else that will ultimately destroy us, it just feels dark, doesn't it? We know it's not right. Right. And to that end, Paul, as he's writing to the church in Ephesus, says this about light and dark. He says, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of things that they do in secret. Look at how he's talking about those those sins or those bad things or those unfruitful works that they're in the dark, they're in secret, they're hidden, and it's our job as those who follow Jesus, bringing light to a dark world to expose those things. And as far as the Bible's concerned, darkness is often associated with evil because it's where wickedness and injustice and sadness can hide and not be found out. It's where we're duped and tricked into hoping that someone or something else will satisfy our deepest needs or deepest desires. But we know that's not right, and so we do it in private. We step away and we do it in the dark. 
And as long as evil and sadness can hide in the dark, these cycle of problems continue. And what we need is a light to shine in on this darkness, a hope that will not let us down, that will not disappoint. And to that end, Paul continues. Look at verse 13 and 14. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Jesus Christ, the light of the world, will shine on you. The prophet Isaiah tells of of a time when a child will be born, and, and of that little child will come light into a dark world. The shining ray of hope, calling out from the prophets of old to a people in turmoil that still brings hope to us today. And Isaiah says things like, there will be no gloom for her who is in anguish. The people who walked in darkness will see a great light. Both John and 1 John and Peter pick up on that as well and say, we we were once people of darkness and were brought into a marvelous light. Look what the prophet Isaiah says in Isaiah 9. It's worth reading in full here. Isaiah chapter 9. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulon and the land of Naphtali. But in the later time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, which was in in Jewish um, kind of uh, literature and and folklore, kind of everything that was wrapped up that's anti-God, that's evil, that's unknown, that's mysterious. And he has made glorious those things. He has brought light to the darkness. The land beyond the Jordan... Galilee of the nations. And check out verse two. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian for every boot of the trampling warrior in battle to mold and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. And this is where it gets a little bit more Christmassy right here. For to us, a child is born. On the, on the heels of all of that, on these deep, dark, bloody, awful things, light is coming. There's hope for people who did not have hope. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son given. And the government shall be on his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace." Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Jesus, the light of the world, breaking into a world of darkness, bringing hope and light for any who would follow. And the amazing thing about this prophecy in Isaiah chapter 9 is it is fulfilled and proven to be true in the birth of Jesus Christ. Look at Matthew chapter 4. And leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulon and Naphtali. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound familiar? 
so that was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region, the shadow of death, and on them a great light has dawned. The Gospel of John tells us that Jesus is the light of the world. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in what? Darkness, but will have the light of life. This is great news. This is good news of great joy that we no longer have to walk in that darkness. That when we put our hope in things that let us down, that disappoint when we know Jesus, the light of the world, came and rescued us out of darkness, so we don't have to put our hope in those things. Here's the thing. If you don't know Jesus, you got no other choice. You have to put your hope in those things that are going to let you down. You have to put your hope in your job or your spouse or your kids. You got no other choice. But Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and broken. I can take the weight of your hope. He says, come to me. I'm rescuing you out of darkness. You are now children of the light. You can put your hope on me. I can take it. The governments of the world are on his shoulder. He can surely take your hope. And now we're not stuck without a choice. We're not stuck in bondage. We're not stuck in chains and hoping in things that do not pay off and that will certainly disappoint. We hope in Jesus who will not disappoint who will not put us to shame because whoever follows Jesus will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus is our hope. Evil, sin, sadness, and shame cannot hide in the presence of Jesus. He exposes it. He brings healing. He brings reconciliation. He brings restoration. He is the light of the world and the hope of nations. What a gift this Christmas to slow down, not have the same hustle and bustle of Christmas, but to slow down with family, with friends, and to remember in a year of great disappointment, we hope in the one who will not disappoint. You see, this year, we're not fooled into hoping into all those other things that maybe just one more holiday party or one more good present will make us happy. Those things are taken away, friends. Whether you've been hit by financial hardship and got to scale back, whether you've got travel plans or party plans that have been scaled back or canceled altogether, you don't have to put your hope in those things. You don't get them anyway this year, so why not put your hope in Jesus who will not let you down? You know, earlier this week, Brett, Steve, and I were talking on the podcast about how this has the potential to just be the best Christmas ever. Because so many of the other things that clutter up why we celebrate Christmas are gone. The choice has been made for us. And what if in the slowdown, in the scaling back of plans, in maybe some of the disappointment of some of our traditions not quite being there the way they used to, what if we encounter Jesus in a different way? What if this Christmas Eve or or this Christmas day or sometime this week when you're watching this video, in some of the worship or in some of the scripture, when you encounter Jesus in a different way? What if he brings hope and light in a way you've never seen him bring hope and light before? And in God in all his grace, it's not because we've done anything different, just because we got no other choice. Because I'm sick of being let down by the things that keep letting me down. I'm sick of being disappointed by all the things that keep getting disappointed. 
I'm sick of it. I don't know if you are too. I'm tired of putting my hope in something that puts me to shame, that disappoints, that lets down. And Jesus says, put your hope on me. I got you. Put your hope on my shoulders. I can take it and I will not put you to shame. What a gift to behold this Christmas. But also, what a gift to share this Christmas. Share with our friends and our neighbors and coworkers and family, those who are hurting, those who maybe have no other choice but to put their hope in things that will let them down. What, what a gift to give to those people as well. Do you have friends, family members, coworkers, neighbors that have been disappointed this year? That have been let down this year? That have maybe encountered serious sufferings and hardship this year? Go, tell, share with them the hope you found. And as Jesus said to the man who had a demon who he healed, go home, tell your friends, tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So friends, this Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, Christmas week, January, whenever you're watching this, that's my charge to you. Behold the hope that you have found and go tell your friends. Tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. This year, what a gift this year is to have so many things stripped away. And I know many of us don't see it like that. But I think when we look back in one, two, five, ten years, we will see this year as a crucible of transformation like nothing we've ever experienced before. Will you put your hope in Jesus and grow, mature, and thrive and flourish? Behold it and tell others? Or will we fall into the trap of those that don't know Jesus and keep putting our hope in things that let us down? Anthem, arise, harvest, I love you. We are praying for you. And I hope genuinely you have an amazing Christmas. Behold the hope that you have in Jesus and go tell your friends what the Lord has done for you. Jesus, we invite you into this space um, as we prepare to respond in, in different ways. And maybe he's even his kids are running around right now or, or whatever the context is. Jesus, I ask that you would, in a unique way, minister and touch every single person who's watching this. That there would be a profound sense of peace knowing that our hope is settled in you and is not floating with all these other things that keep letting us down. Holy Spirit, minister to us in a profound way as we slow down. We take a breath. We do celebrate. We remember. And we anticipate the day when you will come and make everything right. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.